Welcome to World Yo Oyster. Today, Paula and I are going to be sharing a duo episode with all of you. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. I do that. I do that. Hey. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we have to sing every episode. It's become like a trend. Absolutely. So. And we also have a jingle arriving soon to that episode. So uh, you wait, everybody. I know. I'm really <laughs> excited. We do. A, we're we're always going to be surprising you guys. That's why you just got to stay tuned because there's always going to be something new here. Absolutely. And it's always <laughs> high quality. And high energy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So our dual episode today has a theme, obviously. So over the last few weeks, we've been interviewing the most amazing people. They have told us their amazing stories of how they've come up, you know, into their greatest successes, trials, tribulations, and who inspired them along the way. So through researching our guests and obviously looking into the future of the show, I was asking myself, like, who are the people that have inspired us and brought us to our moment of today? And obviously my mom is one of the biggest inspirations and her journey and story just keeps coming back in my mind. And I know that your mother is a huge inspiration, obviously, in your journey in your life. So I thought today we should talk, we should honor thy mothers and yes. talk about our moms. Going to get some brownie points. Exactly. <laughs> have this awesome quote. It's like, being a mother is learning about strengths you didn't know you had and dealing with fears you didn't know existed, right? So Paul and I have had the blessings of mothers that we look up to, moms who've been so human with us that they've taught us the meaning of bravery and true love. And they've been straightforward with us and also have sugar-coated truths when it was in our best interest, or so they thought. Um, but overall, they're our superheroes and they're huge contributors to our stories. And I wanted to start off with the meaning of my mom's story. Before I get into the story of how inspiring my mother is in my life, it's important to know that she actually passed away. So she was passed away of cancer, lung cancer specifically, when I was 19 years old, right before I turned 20. And this is a big part of who, who I am and my journey is to who I am today. And it's not something that I carry in a negative sense. I actually really take this horrible part of, of my life and this tragedy kind of totally turned it into a positive and utilized this. Um, I've always looked at her passing and found the beauty in it and never found, you know, and never just harped on the sadness of it. And I've used the sadness more as a strength tool than, than allowing it to let me crumble. Well, I look forward to hearing it because I've, I've never heard the story. So let's, let's, let's dive go. in. I'm going to start from in. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Many of you may know or not know, my mom is an immigrant. So she was born in Italy and she came here uh, in the late 60s when she was 14 years old with her mom and her dad and her older sister and her younger brother. She was uh, a middle child and they literally came like in a ship. It was like a cruise ship, but it was cool. They had, she said she was sick the whole time because it was like motion sickness, but they had like ping pong and it was like Carnival Cruise Carnival 101. Cruise. <laughs> there was no stingrays though. Okay. <laughs> suck the food the, out the of the push. thumb. Some, so listen to another episode, everybody. It's <laughs> the Danielle Nair episode where Paula tells the story about of the, stingrays. the stingrays on the Carnival Cruise Line. You don't want to miss that one. No. Long tangent. <laughs> long tangent. 
<laughs> but anyway, so bringing it back. So she immigrated here when she was in her teens and didn't speak a lick of English, like not one word. And they came here because at the time it was, they could live a better life. So she was born in Italy in this beautiful island of Ischia. And which was just in Condé Nast Traveler, by the way. Named number one <laughs> island. Yes. And which I was so excited about for tourism, but it's been like this little kept secret. I know. People are really <laughs> upset about this article, believe it or not. There's like a whole like Reddit subthread. There about, we are. Yeah. But it's a fisherman's island and there's really not much growth. They come here for a better life. And my mom really has to learn from, from nothing how to speak English, how to go into a school system that they don't even know how to... No the, ESL classes. There's no ESL classes. Maths are different. You know, all of the the coursework is different, but technically she's kind of ahead of the game. So anyway, she muscles her way through and, and adapts just as anybody does. And she then grows up in New York and really just had aspirations of, I think, just raising a family. And But she knew that she was like, no, I'm going to be a corporate woman. I want to be able to take care of myself. And she was truly the power out of her entire family. She finished school, went to college, and then she meets my dad. In Miami, I love their story. So she goes down to Miami with, on a girlfriend's trip and meets my father. He's like a DJ in a cool club in Miami. And they meet, and that's it. They did kind of long distance for a little bit, but she fell in love with the Cuban, and she only dated Cubans, she said. She had a thing. For that's the, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Only dated things for Cubans. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the, I feel like the Italians and the the Latin people, people of Latin descent, they're they're quite similar. They are. But I think it's like fire and fire, right? I mean, it's the right. same with, with my parents as well. Like my, my mother's Italian, Sicilian, my father's Puerto Rican. Right. So it's a similar. We have such a wildly similar yeah. story. <laughs> okay, so they meet and then he ends up moving to New Jersey because his mom, he had his dad was in Miami and his mom was in New Jersey. And so he moves up to New York to be closer to my mom and proposes he had like no money and so my dad was born in Cuba and when he came to America he had in his pocket like a little a Cuban penny and a Cuban nickel that he had saved so what he did is he turned the penny into a necklace and that's how he proposed to my mom was with the penny from Cuba that he like he thought he um what's like smuggled it across borders when he came here which is really sweet it's beautiful it is really sweet so they had a very endearing love and then I was very planned. Like they dated for, they were together for seven years before they had me. I forget how many years they, they dated before they got married. But then my dad like went to college later in life. And my mom was that force. She was like, okay, I'm going to hold it down. You're too smart to not have a degree and really make it in this world. Like you're not odds and ends. I'm not doing this. Right. <laughs> and then I was very planned. Like seven years in, they had me because they were both working corporate lives. And they felt like, okay, cool. They can afford a kid. And then, like, that was it. I was the center of their world. So for me, like, growing up, because I want to dive, we'll dive a little bit into, I think, maybe your early story, too, about growing up with siblings. Like, I didn't grow up with siblings, so it was just a trio. It was me, my mom, and my dad. And my mom and I were, like, BFFs. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm sure you felt that as well. So we were BFFs, and she honestly, like, took me, they both took me everywhere, but... I, the biggest memories I have was like always going to work with her. She worked for Fila, like at the height of its coolness, like right. the height of the velour suits. Early and, 90s. Exactly. Like, yeah. Early 90s track suits. Like they had Grant Hill as one of the basketball players that they, uh, Monica Sellis was one of their sponsors. They also were um, at the US Open. They were the, the sponsors like Ralph Lauren is now. They were mm -hmm. always in Fila before that. So we would like go to, 
she that started in the 70s and she hustled her way through my entire family ran the US Open booths those first 70s when they the first time there ever was a booth in the US Open wow i know my mom my dad my aunt everybody was all hands on deck we got to see photos. I'm dying. I want to see the fashions. <laughs> I can't find some of those photos, but I do have some good 70s photos of my father and my mother in the 70s. Yeah. They're brilliant. Yeah. But I got to see my mom lead the show at these offices. She was an executive assistant to the boss, to the, the CEO at the time. And she, but she like ran everything. She had grace and candor. She would really lit up a room when she walked in with just her eyes. Honestly, she had the most piercing, piercing eyes. I remember just everybody really respected her, whether they were terrified. <laughs> and I remember she used to say that she didn't like, um, that she was like, people say they're scared of me. She's like, am I really that scary? It's <laughs> like, well, if you want to be, you can be. Because she was so direct. Right. And which is what I love about you. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like me and your mom are kindred spirits. You are, which is why I think you and I do get along so well, because it is very similar in the fact that there's that directness where she could like, she gave the best advice. She would slice you in half. Yeah. And you wouldn't even know that you were sliced in half. But you were like, oh, shit. Yeah. But it was the most inform informative information that you needed at right. that point in time. She didn't waste any time. She did not waste time. She was like, let's directly de deal with this. And we're going to nip this in the bud immediately and done. How did the dance come into your world? Because I know how mm. the dance came into mine, but your parents, you know, how did they decide one day they're going to put you in the dance school and then, you know, watch you go through it for all those years, put you into LaGuardia? I loved to perform all the time. And she would make me perform. She would present me everywhere. Anyway, Monica, sing. Monica, come down. Monica, sing. do the dance. Do the song. Do the, the wheels on the bus. Itsy bitsy spider. Go. Like she was literally. That's <laughs> funny. It's very funny. It was always like she would lay on my bed and she would be like, just dance for me. I would have to put on a show for her. Like she loved the performance. Okay. Loved it. <laughs> And totally promoted it and was all about it. But she was not a performer herself. And I think she was so excited that I actually had some rhythmic talent. Right. Because that wasn't her asset. Right. We would do Jane Fonda workout videos together. And she's like, I cannot get these moves. You know, I think everybody did those. Like I have, I have big memories of <laughs> yeah. my mom, me, my best friend, Jennifer, growing up and her mom, Susan. I don't know if Susan was doing I don't remember. I, I know that she was around, but we, I like, it's a memory that's so vivid. We were, mm -hmm. I, I lived in this house on Long Island in Hop Hog, and this was like, right, I, maybe my parents had split up at this. I don't really remember, but yeah. there was this big room in the center of the house and there was no furniture in it. So I don't know what was going on, <laughs> but it was in that room. And I just, I remember like we had um, like a stool and we would do the, do the, the Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. Oh my God. They were the best. Yeah. I remember it was like the shuffle, like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I actually have videos of me during COVID. This is how bored I was. I, I she does. there is uh there are Jane Fonda's on YouTube. If you go, you know, just, just give it a quick little, a YouTube search. And I, I filmed myself during COVID. Uh, yep. Yep. That's, that's what I was doing. I and did. I was only home for 90 days. So <laughs> could you imagine if I was just like everybody else, I would have been doing some weird shit. Oh my God. I have <laughs> I not was, seen but... those. I've only seen the trampoline ones. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. We could do a whole episode on my trampoline phase, but <laughs> really COVID good. trampoline phase. So when it came time to apply for high schools. It wasn't really my mom's idea to apply for schools. I brought it up because another friend brought it up. And then we, and then it became a thing like, you know, 
Then she took it seriously. This was, this is a great essence of my mother. We were at the performing arts. It was not LaGuardia, but another performing arts high school audition. And they were kind of just corralling us in a room. And we were in the back corner, a group of us stretching and chatting. And she struts in with the, her click, click heels, like click, 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 shuffles over to us and looks down over her nose at us and says, they're watching you. This is part of the audition. So don't be morons. Oh. <laughs> and then just lifts her head up and continues to walk away. <laughs> she was so like, if you're going to do this, do this. That is, how did she know that though? That like, they were, because she, my mother would read a room the second she walked in and she could sum everything up in like 2.5 seconds. Yeah. That is like dance 101. Right. Like my father used to tell us like, you better behave when you're even backstage because the judges can see in the curtains. Right. So like, you better not be back there acting like a bunch of idiots, you know? (laughs) And like, same thing too, when we would wait on the stage for our awards, like he would put the fear of God in us to like act like, you know, respectful kids while we were sitting up there because most of the other dance schools, I mean, they were like chasing tumbleweeds. Don't even know what they were doing. Exactly. You know, we would all sit there and like, you know, Wait there for our awards. Oh yeah, but it's just so weird that your mom knew that she because knew. why? Why would she know that? Like she, I guess she noticed them watching us, and she was just like, "This is this is part of it." So don't be an asshole. <laughs> I like that. Don't be a moron was the exact term. So but it's true with it. life. Like what a life lesson as well mm-hmm. too. I, I think that I think about that all the time. Like I, I, I always think that it's so important what you're putting out there, regardless of whether people are watching you or not. Right. And it really, and you always get back what I think anyway, like you always get back what you're putting out there. So myself, and I think that this comes back from the performer in me, like I'm always constantly trying to put out there into the world what I want to receive. But at the same time, like I'm working just as hard when people are not watching me, when they have no idea what I'm doing. Like for me, actually, it feels better in those moments to like work my ass off and and put together something incredible, whether it's on paper or being presented somewhere, or even if it's just meeting with somebody, like I feel so much better about myself when I'm like snapping it out rather than just phoning it in because I know, oh, no one's going to check in on me. Like, no. No, you don't do that. That is not yeah. how you No, roll. it's not for me. <laughs> no, I will sit there and make sure things are like perfect to like this, the, the millimeter before, <laughs> before it goes anywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's inspiring. It really yeah. is. And that definitely comes from your parents for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's from my dad, believe it or not. There you yeah. go. My dad is the meticulous one. So it was the best actual advice that she had ever given. Because we literally use it to this day. And I make it into LaGuardia. I made it into all like these performing arts schools. And I chose LaGuardia because you choose fame if you make LaGuardia. And I went there with my parents' blessing. But my dad was like, absolutely not. Yeah, he was like, no way. But then we found out they had good academics. So I had to do both. Because my parents, really, my father, both of them really wanted me to be academically achieved. But my father more, more so. And my mom was like, just follow your dreams. Like, we're going to, we'll be realistic about this. But do this right and be the best. Anything that I really wanted to do, if I put the work in, they were supportive. And she would guide me along the way and never made me feel like my decisions or my mess ups or anything was stupid or that anything was so tragic. You know, she always was like, get it over with and move on. My personality, and I think I got that for my father a little bit too sometimes, is I hold, I hold on to something for so long, more so than I should. And that just wasn't her essence. She never did that with lung cancer. She didn't feel well. The story is, is that she didn't feel well. So I didn't leave college, but what I would do is I would make sure that I kind of came home on, I was always home on the weekends regardless. And 
my aunt, luckily, was not was a stay-at-home mom, and her children had grown, and she hadn't gone back to work, so my aunt would come and stay with her during the week, but I would take her to appointments, and I really was there for her during that time, and I'm grateful for that because I don't feel like I really missed a lot. And the truth of it all is she was terrified of leaving this earth. She had such a bright light, and she really had a, a will to live, and she didn't feel like her mothering job was over. Did she express that to you? Did she say she that did. to you? She did. Like, she really said a lot of things. Like I said in the beginning, that she cut to the chase and she wouldn't leave stones unturned. And then she would have, diff- my mom was okay with having difficult conversations. And she really did sit me down. She never told me how scared she was, maybe once or twice when she really broke down and gave a good cry with me if she wasn't feeling well and expressed that she was fearful of that. But she was always expressed that she didn't want to leave me. And how old is she at this point? She was 51. 51. She had just turned 51 that January and then was diagnosed in February. Yeah. So it was because she was sick, the entire family was always together. And I think those moments were amazing for me because we all rallied together. You wouldn't know that she was in pain and you wouldn't know that she was suffering. She showed up at all my dance concerts and at all of the school things, you know, because she was like, no, this is it. I have to be here for, for this time. But it sucks to have to tell that story. Why does it suck? <laughs> I mean, sucks. I know why it sucks, no, but, but why do you get, feel that way? <laughs> I feel like it sucks. Um, <laughs> it does. It does it suck. It sucks because I never felt, I felt like she deserved to be here. I felt like she is one of the people who really loved life and who really enjoyed every day. And even though she would have days that there were bad days, like days that she would didn't want to work her job but she was like but it affords me the life that I like and like what you know whatever the complaint was Mm -hmm. she always came forward with a silver lining Mm -hmm. and I think that women we need that growing up right so at 19 is when I turned into an adult so she passed and I remember being very stoic for her like I spoke at her funeral I did a eulogy and I greeted everybody that showed up at the at the funeral home like I said she was really honored revered and loved that that house was packed and everybody was sad that Rosa was gone. It wasn't, you know, sometimes you go to these wakes and you hear the people children trying to like, oh, did you hear what Kathy did? Like, you know, last week, that was not the conversation. It was, you know, in true honor of this woman. Yeah. And so it just sucks because I miss her immensely. I went into work mode right after. And I have realized over these last few years, well, it's been now, almost, it'll be almost 18 years since she passed, which is crazy when I say that out loud. I know it is kind of wild because grief has a wild effect on you. It never goes away. I know that they say time heals all wounds, but this is a different healing. This is a cyclical healing where you will start to feel better and then things will kind of, life will happen or a situation will happen and it'll, the grief will smack you in the back of your head and you have to deal with it kind of all over again in a new lens. It's the milestones too. It's the big birthdays. It's the big relationships. It's the heartbreak. It's the, right. you know, it's really heavy. Probably gets worse as you get older because you have these impending things in your life that, will come up and you know they're going to come up. Marriage, babies. How do I do these things now without my best friend? Right. So. That's exactly the questions that you ask yourself consistently. And how do you get through those conversations? I talk to her. You talk to her. (laughs) I talk to her. So I talk to her all the time. 
I feel her essence around me many times. I, I kind of know, like, if her spirit, I do believe that the spirit lives on. I do believe that there is a connection always. For me, it's been undeniable signs that I've been able to feel her, like physically feel some presence. And so regardless whether I'm making it up or not, but I truly believe it works for me. Oh, no, I'm a believer. I mean, I'm a big believer. Yeah. I talk to her all the time about things and sometimes I can feel her answers and sometimes I can't. And that irritates the shit out of me. I really, truly live by her rules and by her essence and by what would Rosa do. But what I've learned is that that got me through the first few years, like through college. I really went head first. And so I, she passed away like in July and I went back to school in August, a month later. I didn't take any time off because my family, I thought I had to. It's like, okay, I'm going to take like a semester off to mourn. And my family was like, no, 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 no. We're around, like, go back to school. We got this. What are you going to do? Like sit home and cry? We, we'll, we'll all cry together at night, but you got to keep going. And I was like, okay, cool. So I luckily had the, the support of my family and went back to school. And I don't think I would be as successful. Like I definitely wouldn't have made these hardcore choices and be as successful as I am today without that loss. I don't think I could be, if that makes sense, because that support and that security of my mother um, was great. But when you have that loss and you have to overcome something a little bit harder, you push harder. It's this grit, like, you know, when you've gone through something that's difficult, when you're mourning somebody or you, you know, don't have enough money to feed yourself, you operate from a different place you when, you, when you have that. And I think that it brings out kind of the, the good beast in all of us. It, it really brings out that work ethic, the drive, especially when now, you know, you have experienced this big loss. Now it's like, well, I, I, I want to live my life to the fullest. In, yes. In- yeah, exactly. You did it. But I did it. (laughs) And it's, you know, something that I carry with me every day. Um, I think loss, it teaches you that life is really short. I think it also, for me personally, I've held back in certain ways, not realizing that that was my fear of like, of, of loss again. That makes sense. So like when you lose somebody, then you'll sometimes hold on to things that may not be good enough for you or, or you hold on to them for too long because just loss in itself like triggers emotional feelings that you don't want to feel. So I've learned to overcome those through time and realizing like that that actually just shortens your lifespan even more. So it's important to just let them go and, and knowing that loss is a part of life and not um, a definitive ending it just is really another cyclical moment where loss brings anew. And so for me, the loss of my mother brought a new way for me to look at spirituality, a new way for me to look at myself as the woman that I want to be, and also has forced me to figure out who I am without her. I think what I did for like a good decade was to try and be her. When people be like, you're just like your mother, you're just like your mother, you're just like your mother, I was like, I will wear that badge so proudly. But um, over the last five years, I want to say, I realized that that was to a detriment. I wasn't, I was now using that as a crutch, right? So it's like, okay, who are you with the support of your mother in your heart? But like, who are you, Monica? Like, you don't have to be exactly like her. She lives on and everybody continues to honor her, regardless of how exactly like her you are. You don't have to. You can be yourself. And those are the pieces of information that I miss. I miss her directness. I miss her, her pushing me to be my own self. 
but I miss also like her ability to put pieces together and kind of see things in a broader way and pull me out of like a tunnel vision. Right. So those are the, those are the things that I will now pull on instead of trying to be like her using her information and using her inspiration to come to a decision or the way that she would have operated in a certain the way she would have guided instead of, me yeah. instead of operating like the way she would have guided me to operate at my most optimal level instead of trying to operate at her exactly like her. Mm-hmm. You are so spiritual and you are so in touch with your feelings and you feel so connected to your mom and all of these different things. Were you that way prior to her passing? Were you always very spiritual and in touch with the other side? Or? No. No, okay. <laughs> no. My family is very intuitive, I have to say. We kind of are because when my grandparents passed away, we would say that we felt them and like my cousin at times will st- will truly feel the spiritual, like feel a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but- So that never scared me, but no, definitely not as deeply spiritual. And I want to say like getting in touch with my emotions was something that I did more recently. I ran definitely from all of my emotions for like a good decade. Yeah. I used school and work to just get me through. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that's my story about my mom. And thank you for sharing the story about your mom. I actually didn't really know the story of your mom. So it was incredibly sad. And it sucks to go through life without a mother. And quite frankly, I don't know how you do it because I am so connected with my mother. But you really have learned to adapt. And I could see you bringing your mother along the way in your journey. And you have these funny little things that you do to, (laughs) uh, you know, to stay sane. And that's why I don't make fun of you for them. (laughs) It's okay. And, um, but I think that you operate from a place that's so much more connected. Mm, Um, I try. Connected to whatever it is, the spiritual universe that we're living in. Like, I I feel that you are very connected to all of that as opposed to somebody like myself who's like, is anybody out there? You feel essences, (laughs) for sure. No, no, no. I mean, I'm a very intuitive person. Yeah. Um, But but thank you for sharing. And it's important for our listeners to know who we are and why we're coming from where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. So that... That is Monica's story. So when the mom does come up, now you now you know. Now you all know. Well, thank you for letting me share my story. And now I'd love for you to talk about your inspirational mother because Rosie is a force to be reckoned with, which is <laughs> makes the apple does not fall far from the tree, everybody. They she really does not. Yeah. Listen. Life growing up in New York with with Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, I very much so hope we can get her on the on the show when she, she returns back from her six month vacation. Um, but she's worked her butt off for it and she deserves every ounce of that six month vacation. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, my mom comes from humble beginnings. She has, you know, my grandparents were the most incredible human beings and they just instilled really wonderful qualities in all three of their children. My mom, my aunt, and my uncle are some of my favorite people and they are the most loving and supportive, even though they think that everything that I do is absolutely outlandish and crazy. Um, But they're just the most supportive people. And even now they they call themselves orphans because (laughs) their parents have, both of their parents have now passed away, Um, but they're the best of friends. And I think that to watch them actually as 
senior citizen, sorry guys, but that's what you are, <laughs> um, you know, to watch you guys now in this phase of your life has actually been my favorite phase um, that's cool. of your journey together because they just, they got each other's backs. I mean, my, my mom spent so much time with her brothers and sisters and they all go on vacations together. And, you know, they are just, I think being the same children that they were, you know, in Shirley, Long Island, I think that they're just kind of bringing that back in this, you know, my, my mom calls it, I think actually my grandparents called it like, uh, the third, the third quarter. Oh (laughs) yeah. The third quarter. (laughs) Yes. I've heard that term. Yeah. So, you know, my, as I said, my mom came up very humble beginnings and, you know, she was a wild child. She didn't really invest too much in her school and her education. So, uh, didn't go to college and she started working at the pinna shop, which is a jewelry store. Oh. And, uh, you know, she was a sales gal just like me. So I guess I get it from somewhere. And um, I think she was 18 years old and her boss came up to her one day and said, Rose, I'm firing you because you're too good to be working here. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, I don't even I don't even go to college, you know, like you can't fire me. And uh, he was like, I am. I'm going to give you two weeks severance or whatever it was called. And um, then you're fired. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So my mom just opened up the newspaper and she saw an ad that said, and I'm not supposed to be telling this story because I actually don't think that anybody knows this, which is crazy. Very few people know this story, but I don't think her demo is, uh, is watching the podcast, but, uh, (laughs) um, she took an ad out in the paper that said, learn how to teach ballroom dance lessons. Mm -hmm. She had never danced a day in her life aside from, uh, like, raindrops are falling on my head. That's the song that is my my mom's favorite song. And she just used to kind of like fake tap dance um, to that song. She never danced in her life. And um, so she's like, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to teach ballroom dance lessons. You know, now actually thinking about that, that she just kind of had the chutzpah to take an ad out in the paper. I now actually see why I've operated my life, my adult (laughs) life, the way that I've operated it, because I have, done the exact same things. Yeah. Um, I have just kind of said, I'm going to do this. And I just We're kind just of, gonna go. I'm just going to do it. So I guess I get that from her. So takes the ad out in the paper. She is going through the lessons and everyone in her class is like testing out. Like they're, they're now being like, they're, they're graduating and they're able to teach lessons and everyone except for my mother and my father actually I don't know if he was in the class with her, but he was teaching at the school. They met at this, um, at this, I think it was an Arthur Murray dance school. And everybody was testing out of the class. And my mom finally got up the courage to walk into her boss's office and was like, I don't understand. Like, why am I not able to teach? And everyone else is able to teach. And he said to her, y'all teach when I tell you, you can teach. Amazing. And then a couple of weeks later, he was actually retiring. So he gave my mom his job and she ran the school. <gasps> he saw the bright light in he her. He saw the bright light in her. So my mom meets my dad. They fall in love. It's the seventies. It's studio 54. They're doing hustle competitions. Mm-hmm. Like they, now my mom is like fully engrossed in, in the ballroom space. And and my dad also has uh, two sisters, one older, one younger. So they're kind of this like cool little like five some, you know, 
or was it foursome? <laughs> Going out and dancing. And my mom, my aunt, and my dad were actually on Star Search, believe oh, it or not. Oh my goodness, I yeah. didn't know this. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, they lost, they lost. But they were- um, But they made it on TV? They made it on TV, yes. That's a big deal. Yeah, I, I will, I'll, I'll post the little, oh. I have the like the, the newspaper clipping of it. But they were living at my grandmother grandmother's house in the basement. And my grandmother, again, saw something in the newspaper about this place that was selling records. And she knew that my parents loved to dance. So mm-hmm. she said, Rose, David, David, <laughs> why don't you go check out these records? These people are selling records. So they go and they walk in and it's a dance school. And my mom like picks up these little dusty tap shoes and starts tapping them on the floor. And... Um, I think my dad was just like, how much for the dance school? Right. And I want to say, maybe I'm misquoted, but I think it was a, a two or $3,000 investment. Yeah, they went for it. So they opened up their first dance school together. And, you know, my father definitely showed my mother the ropes as to, you know, real, da- you know, my mom had done ballroom, but my father was trained in everything, ballet, tap, jazz gymnastics. And my father is an incredible choreographer. And I don't even know if he had realized that at that time of his life. It was really like when he opened up the dance schools and started his own dance company that he really like came into his, uh, his power and the things that, you know, he's able to do with kids is Mm -hmm. is truly incredible. So they start this dance school together. And uh, I think it's seven years that seven years go by until they have me and they open up many dance schools together. I want to say there was a time where they had five schools, you know, then they had me and for my mom, it was very difficult. I don't know that she ever wanted the white picket fence and the Mm -hmm. traditional relationship, but she definitely always talks to me about wanting more time, wanting more time with the kids with, yeah, with my father, with me, you know, he is a workaholic and Mm -hmm. as am I, you know, like I, I, I get that. And I mean, I'm nowhere near as bad as him, but you know, she had saw such a traditional family and Mm -hmm. life where, you know, dad went to work for eight hours, nine hours, came home. Mom was, not that my mom wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. She definitely didn't. And we go on to, you know, I'll tell you that later in the story. But I think she was just craving something a little bit more traditional. And, um, you know, eventually my brother is then born and eventually my parents do split up. And, you know, in, in the divorce, my mom just asked, I just want that first dance school. That's it. I don't want anything else. Take your name, take, you know, the whole thing as she is, she's strong, like a bull. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she then started her journey and she opened up her own dance schools and she's now fully franchised out. And, um, she has, I think four schools of her own and she really runs an incredible business. And, uh, you know, watching her lead an incredible group of women. I think she she only has women that work for her with the exception of one or two men. You know, she has this army of people behind her and it's no shock to me as to why. Um, you know, she's a woman that leads with authority, but she leads with heart. And that's the way that she raised me as well. So when your parents divorced and you were already dancing at the studios, how old were you? So I was four when my- You were young. I was four, yeah. And for me, like, I am definitely not a kid that's wounded by my parents' divorce. For me, Mm -hmm. I think it actually worked 
really well. I knew that my parents, you know, they were just oil and water and it never would have worked. And um, I actually feel pretty blessed to have had the love of both my mother and my father and my stepmother. Um, you know, it was kind of a beautiful way to grow up. And I was able to go and dance at my father's dance school. So, you know, maybe our relationship was a little bit rough because he was my, my dance teacher and my mom and of course my father, but my mother was really able to just be my mom, you know? And when I was having difficult times with my, my dad, I would, you know, as a teenager coming home, my dad was also rough on me in the dance schools because he wanted me to be the best. And I'm so glad that he was rough on me, but you know, I would come home. I hate my dad. And my mother would be like, you are not talking that way about your father in this house, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of, you know, whatever happened with, with their relationship, you know, she never spoke a bad word about him. She never let me speak a bad word about him. That is to me, like one of the most important things about my mom to me, like the way that she just kind of went through all of these situations with such grace, whether, you know, it was outward grace to, you know, my dad or whoever, but it was grace to me. Right. It was grace to me. She never talked bad. She never, you know, divulged any information. It was just, you know, this is what it is. You're not going to talk about your dad. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about your dad either. And we're just going to, we're going to move forward and, uh, and you're going to be a, a good kid. So, you know, and I wasn't a good kid. I was bad from inception. Somehow I don't even, my mom to this day doesn't know how she got it recorded, but she has me recorded on a cassette tape screaming at like four years old about wanting McDonald's, like having full, full, blow, temper, full tantrum. Like, temper tantrum. <laughs> To have grown up in the dance school the way that I did definitely defined a lot of my character, but also, you know, having my mom to just be my mom is, I think, kind of the calm that lives within me. That's and uh, even though <laughs> I drove her nuts and she drove me nuts. And like I said, a difficult a difficult child. I was also her firstborn. So I was great, a great dancer, but I, I was like kind of in those years of 13, 14, 15, like actually it was around like 15, 16, where I was like rebelling. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be the owner's daughter. I just want to be like regular kid. And, you know, and, and, and she, honestly, she stood by my side on that through a lot of that. My dad was always like, no, you need to do this. Like when you graduate from high school, we're moving you into the city. You're going to like audition. audition. You're going to be on Broadway. And my, oh. and my mother was like, no, she's not. Like she's going to be dead in the gutter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like that's just so the way. she was hyper realistic. <laughs> Even when we fought, my mom and I, like within five minutes, it was done and over. And we were like, okay, so you like want to go wanna get go a burger? Wh- right. You know, like, okay. and then as I got a little bit older, like, you know, we would go and have drink or whatever. And then like, I would never drink all my drink and she would drink double. And then like, you know, she <laughs> busted adorable. her ass down the stairs one time. Um, <laughs> you know, like we, we have an amazing relationship. But with, with that, my mother has been very vocal with me about how difficult it was to raise a daughter it was difficult for her because she absorbed everything that I put on her. Mm. You know, when I am having a rough time and I think I've actually gotten older as a, as better as I've gotten older, but when I'm having a rough time, I wear it like I wear it on me and I like have to just kind of get it out. Like I have to be like, even if I'm not depressed, I'll be like, I'm depressed. I need to go to a hospital, you know? And even though that's really not the case, but like I would do this to my mother, like, you know, not, I mean, depression maybe like once or twice, but I'd be like, oh my God, everything is so difficult. Like I would basically turn like, you know, a stubbed toe into a broken foot. Trauma. 
Drama. Drama. <laughs> exactly. And I think until I was about 30, you know, she really, she wore all that. Oh, and, wow. But she solved all my problems. And that, I think, looking back on it now, I'm like, maybe I wish that she didn't do as much as she did. And I would always say that to her. I never asked you to do these things. And then that would really, you upset know. Upset her. That would really upset her. Because it's almost But what else? what else do you do? And like, yes, I have brothers and I have siblings, but- I think the mother-daughter bond is just completely different. When mm-hmm. you have a daughter that's 20 years old and she's living in Manhattan and she's gallivanting the streets and, you know, not answering her phone, even though like, you know, whatever I was like sleeping or whatever it was, you know, it, it was torment. It was torture. For it her. was torture. It really was torture. And now, you know, we're, we're on the other side of that. And, but I get it. And that's, I think a large reason why I don't want to have children is I just know what that burden and that lift Mm-hmm. Um, is especially because I know I'll only have girls and I wouldn't even know what to do with a girl. Um, and they'll be the spawn of Satan. So that's that's definitely why I'm not I'm not having children. But <laughs> how did she manage nurturing the relationship between you and your siblings? When my mother got pregnant with my brother David, my parents' relationship was not in a good place whatsoever. But you know, mm-hmm. she was blessed with this child and she knew that from inception that like I needed somebody. She knew that they were going to get divorced, essentially. Mm -hmm. And she knew that I needed somebody to go through my life with. with. And she said she just always felt that way from like the moment of inception, that this is going to be, you know, some, you know, the person for Paula, whether it's a brother or a sister, thank God it was a brother. But I know that she needs this person. Mm -hmm. And, And I truly did. And I still do. And I'm, I miss my brother every day because he moved to Chicago. We were very bonded from young kids. And I think that also has to do with the fact that, you know, we were splitting time between our parents' houses. So mom and dad's house. And then also every holiday, you know, we were- He was your teammate. He was my teammate. And, you know, driving back and forth too, like when we would split the holidays as we, you know, got older and had our own car and, Mm -hmm. you know, and even still to this day until he moved to Chicago, I mean, driving back, he would drive me into the city, you know, we just- we have a very special bond. And then I also have another brother, Robert, and two other brothers through um, my dad and my stepmom, that's Dylan and Aiden. I think that when Robert came into the mix, obviously I was like, I think 11. So for me, it was like I had a baby, you know? It was so exciting. And I think mothering more than one child, more than one child was just very natural to my mom. Like I never felt... I guess because I was sucking all the energy out of the room. <laughs> if you ask my brothers, they're probably in therapy. Like my poor brother, David, is like, I could never even get a word in my whole life. Like, still, I still can't, <laughs> you know. He's like, I'm just trying to get on the stage, mom. Poor kid didn't even stand a chance. No. <laughs> didn't even stand a chance. And Robert didn't even make an effort. <laughs> Robert didn't even try. He was like, forget it. He didn't even try. But did they get away with murder or he just didn't? He was like, well, they were so good. Like my brother, David, was so good. My brother, he's 32. He has a a doctorate. Yeah, a PhD. Um, And Robert is is killing it as well. He's 25 years old. He's amazing job. He works in IT and they were just completely different. But- As life went on, you know, similar to, so I move into the city and I start my life here and I want 
my parents have nothing to do with it. You know, I want to be this independent woman. And my mom ends up um, getting diagnosed with breast cancer at the same time as my grandmother, actually. So it was just this horrible time of my life. And you were and at what age? Was I was 25. You? I was about to turn 25. So this is actually, it, and it all ties into like my work journey as it well. Does. So I was 24. It was May. My mother got diagnosed with breast cancer. My grandmother got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And at this point now, like all that my family is thinking about is health. And my mom was the one that was literally like, Paula, you need to get a job that has health insurance. Like you cannot just be a dancer. This is not going to work anymore. So either you need to come home and work at the dance schools and get on health insurance because like now we're high risk because now we're thinking, oh, do we have BRCA? Because it was ovarian and breast. Mm -hmm. So like, so now we're all just deep down a spiral. So what do I do? I'm pivot and I decide I'm going to go, I'm going to work at Equinox and I'm going to throw myself into this whole new world of a new job. The same way my mom took out an ad in the paper to, to do ballroom dancing all through this time when my mom was, was ill. Right. And for me, it was like, I just, I didn't want to deal with it. So dissimilar to you where you were there for every appointment, mm -hmm. I just completely ran away. And this to me is like one of my biggest regrets in my life because, and thank God my brother Robert was still in high school. So my brother Robert was there with her through everything, which is crazy that he held, he's the one that held all of that burden. And I've never even to this day really asked him, are you, are you okay? Like, what was that like for you? And one day I will. One day you will. Um, you know, and, and David was David. I think was in college as well. So okay. he was in he was in Rhode Island. You know, he was really there for my mother, along with Danielle. Which you should listen to Danielle's Everybody. episode, episode three. Um, you know, the three of them really went through all of that together. And as an adult now, looking back on that time, for me, it's like one of the the times in my life where I regret so much being stupid you know like I I just regret not being there like I don't think it was stupid but I no but it was like just it, running it away was just running it away. was running away from everything and even you know I didn't get to spend that much time with my grandmother before she I wasn't there my whole family was there when she died I wasn't there you know I was in the city I think I, I'm pretty sure I was like out oh know? wow yeah and she she ended up dying like late at night so that's definitely like a rough part of my journey and, and one one of the stages of my life where if I could go back and do it again, I definitely would spend more time, like, you know, not be so selfish in those times. And, and I guess I look back at it now as a time I was being selfish. And I think I should have just been a little bit more aware of what was happening with my family and just been a little bit more present through those situations. I know talking to my mom now, like she doesn't think of it in that way at all, but that's just the way that my mom is. My mom is like a warrior. My mom also has like, I, it's crazy because when I think about my mom, I don't think about her as a cancer survivor because she literally acted as if she didn't have cancer. Like- Explain. She never looked at herself with, she never wanted to admit she was sick. So basically like when she lost all of her hair, she never, from the, when she shaved it, mm -hmm. she never looked at her bald head ever. It's wild. Not even once because she, I think she felt that if she looked in the mirror that she was sick. Mm -hmm. And she refused. She to. refused. She put herself on a dating app while she was four rounds of chemo in. She met her life partner at that time of, you know, that they're still together now. And, you know, who does that? Like that should just show you that what type brave. of person my mother is. You know, she just, 
she's just like a warrior through and through. And I think that that was also her style of parenting as well. So for me, if ever I, you know, got in trouble or did something stupid, you know, like she definitely kicked my ass, but like at the same time, she'd be like, well, you know, I did the same thing. I think your mother has really instilled in you a love of life. Like totally. if you know Rosie, she walks into a room and they, we are having a party. Yes. No matter, no matter what, what. no matter what yes. the situation, no matter what is She has more energy access. than I do for sure. She's got I a lot of she energy. She has a lot more energy than I do. And she, I think needs to be the center of attention a little bit more than I do. But <laughs> I, and it's funny because I, I will always take second fiddle to my mother. Like when my mom's not in the room, you better believe that I'm the center of attention. It's not because I want to be. That's just like the energy that I exude. But she wants to be. No, I actually <laughs> really don't. It's funny because I, I actually, as I'm getting older, I really don't care. When I was younger, okay, 20s, when we first met, yes. Yeah. I had to be the center of attention. And that's the only way that I knew things. But as I kind of like from 30 on, I'm, I'm so fine to be second fiddle, sometimes even third fiddle as I'm like getting older. I'm like, I'm tired. Let, let her do it. Like, <laughs> honestly, let her do it. What she really has instilled in me though, is to love others the way that you want to be loved. And my mother, her, she, the greatest love of all, like that's her song. And I think she found that song pretty quickly after, I don't know if it was when my parents got divorced, but it was very early in her in her journey. And this greatest love of all, I mean, it's at every one of her dance recitals, and at 43 dance recitals. So I can't even hear it, like, because I just cry. And I've just, like, seen my, oh, my God. Oh, it's instant tears. Aww. Are these tears of happiness? Oh, totally, totally, right. totally. And honoring. Honoring. And, mm -hmm. like, even though I always say, like, oh, I never wanted to own my parents' dance schools or anything like that. That is true. Mm -hmm. But I think that they take it the wrong way. Sometimes I think that they take it like, oh, well, they saw her, like she saw us working so hard and it has nothing to do with them. Like for me, it's like, I just wanted to kind of have my own thing. Like I look at my parents as like, listen, they're not billionaires. They're not even, maybe, maybe they got a million. I hope, I hope you guys do. You worked really hard for it. <laughs> but, you know, I think that they have both of them separately built something that's so incredible and have so many people that they have touched their lives. We're talking thousands of people over 43 years, right. thousands of children's lives impacted and affected, thousands of adults' lives, not thousands, but hundreds, hundreds of adults' lives that are that have been working for them for many, many years, that they, their entire livelihood is based off of Roseland School of Dance or David Sanders Dance Dynamics. And to me, like that is the ultimate sign of success. Like they have crushed it in life. And, you know, I've seen so many people show up for them at anniversaries, 25 years, 30 years, 40, you know, 40 year, honestly, it really sucked. It was during COVID. Neither of them were able to really celebrate. Um, but to me, my parents, like, I think that they are the shit, both of them. It's <laughs> amazing. And I'm so proud to be their daughter. And I'm so happy that they were the way that they were with me. Mm -hmm. And Sorry that I cried, oh, but was I just love them and I really admire them. And I think that I don't say that enough. So honor your parents. Honor your parents. Honor their memory if they're not still around. If, if they you are, didn't have an amazing experience with your parents, there are people I'm sure in your lives that have instilled those beautiful things. And, and you know, and like I said, you can always parent yourself. Like we all have love within us and wherever you receive that love, whatever maternal or paternal 
Well, you know, here's a thought as well too, when you're thinking about parents that maybe yeah. didn't do the right thing by you. Think about the way that you've lived your life. You're not a perfect human being either. No. So I think give your parents grace. And forgiveness. Yeah. And I think that's part, that's part of parenting. You know, some takeaways that my mom would always say is like, I'm, I'm a human. Like I'm just right. figuring this out just as much <laughs> as, as the next person. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah. so she really like, and she wouldn't say that one a lot, but when she would get real vulnerable, it was like, yo, I don't really know what the hell I'm doing, yeah. but I'm going to make sure that I look like I know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And that goes I definitely to say, felt that a lot of my life. <laughs> what the hell? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it was like, fake it till you make it. Like, put your pants on and walk into that room and don't be a moron. Right. <laughs> like, no, fully. So yeah. I think this was a beautiful share because you and I really didn't dive as deeply. Um it's hard to be vulnerable. Yes. And we're lucky that we have great people in our lives, including each other. Yes. And hug your parents. Hug hug everybody. Hug everybody. Because <laughs> it can be taken from you tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Yeah. I think the share between us friends was the pearl in my oyster this Me week. Me too. I love you, darling. I love you too. Mwah. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. If you love what you're listening to, be sure to like, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow us on Instagram at World's Your Oyster. And share this episode with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Bye bye.